When I was growing up um, in Massachusetts, I always had a, a German shepherd in the house. My mother absolutely loves German shepherds, and so whenever we had a dog, it was always a German shepherd. Um, but there is one German shepherd, I don't know, we must have had made three or four of them, but there is one German shepherd that was unique and distinct from all the other German shepherds that we had when I was growing up. Uh, his name was Bandit, and every time it started to storm, he would run to the cellar door because he wanted someone to open up that door so he could run down the cellar and hide in the cellar because he was so afraid of thunder. Any loud noise, if he heard thunder rumbling in the background, he knew a storm was coming, and he would immediately run to the entrance of the cellar, which was in our kitchen, and he would sit there, and he would start to pant, and he would start to breathe heavy, and his tongue would hang out the side of his mouth, and he would look at me, and he would then look at the door, and then he would look at me, and then he would look at the door again as if to say, when are you going to open up this door so I can get downstairs? Can't you see I'm perishing? Can't you see I'm about to die? That was the look that he was giving me when I would sit there and look at him and say, what's the matter with you? It's only a storm. Besides, we're here anyway. Everything's okay. But no, he wanted to get down that cellar. As I thought about those times with Bandit wanting to get downstairs because he was so scared and frightened of these storms, I thought that's oftentimes how we as Christians will respond when we face storms as well. We're oftentimes filled with anxiety, with panic, and with fear. We often respond to the storms of life just like Bandit does. And the first disciples were really no different. The passage we're going to look at is today is, is Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Here we're going to see the disciples in the midst of a storm, and they're going to be filled with panic, anxiety, and fear, just like Bandit. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Jesus had been teaching all day to the crowds, and now it is evening. On the same day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? We can see here that the disciples do not seem to have much peace in the midst of this storm, do they? Now, one may ask this question, how intense or severe was this storm? How intense was this storm? 
Were they exaggerating? Well, let's take a look at the intensity the intensity of the storm. The body of water in which they are sailing on is the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was 13 miles long. It was 8 miles wide. At its, it was 700 feet below sea level. At its deepest point, it was 200 feet deep. It was surrounded by mountains, almost completely surrounded by mountains, that ranged anywhere from three to 4,000 feet high. And in the evening, what would happen is that the cold air that was on top of the mountains would come down and it would clash with the warm air that was hovering over the surface. And that uh, meeting of cold air and warm air would cause the waters to stir without warning and would create uh, unbelievably intense storms without any warning at all. Now, we know this is an intense storm because the disciples, some of them who are in this boat with Jesus, are seasoned fishermen. These are people who have lived their life at sea. And the fact that they are responding in the way that they do, aren't you going to do something? Can't you see that we're perishing? Tells us that this was no small storm, that this was an extremely intense storm where even the fishermen are responding with fear. This reminds me to reflect on the storms that we face in life as well. We all go through some pretty intense storms in life, don't we? I know some of you are going through some intense storms right now. Many in our church are. Some of us are going through physical health storms. Or maybe you're going through a financial storm. Maybe an emotional storm. Or a relationship storm. And these storms are intense. These storms feel as if the relentless pounding of the waves and wind against your mind, your body, and heart are going to cause you to drown. And sometimes we feel that Jesus is sleeping in the midst of it all and that he simply doesn't care. And so we oftentimes respond as the disciples do. Don't you care? Where are you in the midst of this? The intensity of the storm. But next, I want to look at peace in the midst of the storm. Notice that in the midst of this storm, Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a pillow. The storm is so severe that the water is coming over the sides of the boat. It's going into the boat. People are getting wet, and he's sound asleep with his head on a pillow. And the boat is tossing all over the place. And obviously that tells us that the storms of life do not affect Jesus in the same way that they affect us. But notice what Jesus does to make peace, to bring about peace and to bring about calm. The disciples are concerned that they're going to perish, and Jesus wakes up, and what does he do? He says, he speaks to the, he speaks to the wind, and he speaks to the sea. Peace be still. He literally muzzles the storm. He gags it. And what's interesting is he changed the circumstances. And that's what brought calm, is that he changed the external circumstances in which the disciples were in. And he brought calm. And I asked myself, well, 
when I'm in a storm, why doesn't he do that for me? When you're going through a difficult time and you're in the midst of a storm, that's the one thing you would like God to do is change your circumstances. But you see, Jesus understands that that's not real, genuine, true peace because that's peace that's conditional. God wants us to experience peace that transcends our circumstances. So it really won't matter what we're experiencing in life. We can experience peace no matter what. That's what Jesus wants. This is evident because he asks the disciples two questions after he calms the storm. He says, why are you so, fear- why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have little faith? Why does he ask those questions? He wants the disciples to, to learn this valuable lesson. And the lesson is this. True peace is not the absence of a storm. True peace is the presence of Jesus inside your boat in the midst of one. In other words, I'm here. There's nothing to fear. It doesn't matter how intense the storm you're facing is. I'm with you. And because, you're now, you should, you should, because you have knowledge that I am with you, it should calm you. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus wants his disciples to have. Peace in the midst of an intense storm because Jesus is in your boat. It is interesting to note that the reason why the disciples were in this storm was because they were following Jesus' instruction. He told them to go over to the other side. And they obeyed. This raises a question. Why would Jesus lead his followers to a place where he knows the potential for intense storms exist? Why would he do that? Why does he allow us to go through intense storms in our lives? And I ask this question because some of the answers can give us peace and perhaps some stability as we experience the storms in our lives. They can give us, at the very least, different perspectives in the midst of our storms. So why does God allow us to experience intense storms in our lives? First, he does so because they present us with an opportunity to grow. That doesn't necessarily comfort me when I'm in the midst of the storm, but it's very important in terms of becoming all you can be in Jesus. The disciples needed to grow. Jesus understood that his disciples were going to be used to to, to lead the church in a very turbulent time when he's no longer present. And how are these disciples who are fearful in the midst of the storm going to successfully lead the church in a fallen world when he's gone? They currently couldn't do it at this particular time. They weren't strong enough to do so. And Jesus understands that. So what he's going to do is lead them into a storm, a challenge, difficulty, so that they will become strong and become the person that God wants them to be. There's a story I want to share with you that illustrates the the importance of struggle in the midst of the storm. There was a little boy who was outside playing, and he came across a particular caterpillar. It was fascinating to the little boy, so he took the caterpillar in his hand. He brought it inside to his mother, and he said, Mom, can I keep this caterpillar? 
And she says, sure, you can keep it as long as you take care of it. You can have it. Well, the boy was excited. So he went inside and he got a glass jar and he filled it with leaves so that the caterpillar could feed. He put a stick inside the jar so that the caterpillar can climb. And every single day he looked at that caterpillar and every day he put new leaves inside that jar and he would watch it every single day. And one particular day that he sees the caterpillar on the stick and he sees that the caterpillar is kind of acting funny. So he brings the jar with the caterpillar inside and he goes to his mother and says, Mom, why is the caterpillar acting so strange? I don't understand. The mother realized that the caterpillar was starting to make a cocoon. And she explained to her son that the caterpillar was going to become a butterfly. So he was anticipating this, this change happening right before his eyes. So he would watch every day as he waited for that caterpillar to become a butterfly. This is what happened. He watched every day, waiting for the butterfly to emerge. One day it happened. A small hole appeared in the cocoon, and the butterfly started to struggle to come out. At first the boy was excited, but soon he became concerned. The butterfly was struggling so hard to get out. It looked like it couldn't break free. It looked desperate. It looked like it was making no progress. The boy was so concerned, he decided to help. He ran to get the scissors. He snipped the cocoon to make the hole bigger, and the butterfly quickly emerged. As the butterfly came out, the boy was surprised. It had a swollen body and small, shriveled wings. He continued to watch the butterfly, expecting that at any moment the wings would dry out, enlarge, and expand to support the swollen body. He knew that in time the body would shrink and the butterfly's wings would expand. But neither happened. The butterfly spent the rest of its life crawling around with a swollen body and shriveled wings. It was never able to fly. As the boy tried to figure out what had gone wrong, his mother took him to talk to a scientist from a local college. He learned that the butterfly was supposed to struggle. In fact, the butterfly's struggle to push its way through the tiny opening of the cocoon pushes the fluid out of its body and into its wings. Without the struggle, the butterfly would never, ever fly. The boy's good intentions hurt the butterfly. As you go through life, keep in mind that struggling is an important part of any growth experience. In fact, it is the struggle that causes you to develop your ability to fly. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And part of the good work that Christ will do in you will mean that we will have to go through some pretty intense storms for the purpose of struggling so that we can grow and be and do what God wants us to be and do. That's one of the reasons why he will put us through those intense storms, even though we don't like going through it. It's that pressure that will make us who we are ought to be in what God wants us to be in Christ. That's what he's doing with his disciples, and that's what he will do with you and with me. Secondly, Jesus may lead us to experience intense storms in life because they will present us with an opportunity to witness. Remember when they left shore, Jesus and the people 
who were in the boat with Jesus. But they were not alone. There were other boats that were with them, if you recall. Right? This tells me that there are people who are going through the same kinds of storms who do not have Jesus in their boat as those who do have Jesus in their boat. Isn't that true? Now, what do you think the people who don't have Jesus in their boat are doing in the midst of that storm? I know what I would be doing. I would be looking at the boat in which Jesus is in, what he's doing, and how the people are responding in the midst of the storm in their boat. That's what I would be doing. What's Jesus going to do? How are those with Jesus on their boat acting in the midst of their storm? It is important for us to keep in mind that when people who do not have Jesus in their boat sail through life, they will oftentimes watch those who do, particularly during times when they are facing storms, so as to see whether or not their faith is really authentic. It may be that your demonstration of peace and faith in the midst of a storm could be the means by which God draws the person watching you to faith. So one of the reasons why, and one of the advantages of going through storms, is that when you, get, when you go through them, people who don't have Jesus in their boat as they sail through this life may observe how you're responding and how you're reacting and see whether or not you're demonstrating trust in the midst of it all. Because if you do, it could be the means by which God will draw that person to himself. And a, pers- a person's eternal destiny could be altered because of the way and how we respond in the midst of our storms. And thirdly, the intense storms we face cannot keep us from reaching the destination that God has for us. The intense storms that we face cannot keep us from reaching the destination that God has for us. In verse 35, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Did they ever make it to the other side? In chapter 5, verse 1, we read, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. They made it to the other side. When Jesus is aboard your boat, he's on your boat, and he tells you to go to the other side, you're going to get to the other side. Doesn't mean you're going to have smooth sailing, but he promises you're not going to be the same person when you reach shore than you were when you left. You're going to be different. The storms will have a way of developing character and perseverance in you, which brings hope. And hope is a valued virtue. So we keep in mind that when we go through storms, they will present us with an opportunity for growth, they will present us with an opportunity to witness, and they will always guarantee these storms with Jesus on board your boat, uh, they will always guarantee that you will get to the destination where God has for you. Long ago, a man sought the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that satisfied he announced a contest to produce this masterpiece. The challenge stirred the imagination of artists everywhere, and paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day of revelation arrived. 
The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another while the viewers clapped and cheered. The tensions grew. Only two pictures remained veiled. As the judge pulled the cover from one, the hush fell over the crowd. A mere smooth lake reflected green birches under the evening sky. Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. Surely this picture was the winner. The man with the vision uncovered the second painting himself, and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? A tumultuous waterfall cascaded down a rocky cliff. The crowd could almost feel its cold, penetrating spray. Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. In the midst of the thundering noises and bitter chill, the tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls. One of its branches reached out in front of the torrential waters as if foolishly seeking to experience its full power. A little bird had built a nest in the elbow of that branch. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones, she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. We see the lessons from nature, the peace of the bird or the, the anxiety-filled German shepherd that I grew up with. We can experience the kind of peace that Christ wants us to have. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusts in you. As you go through the storms in your life, be mindful that Jesus Christ is on your boat, and he's with you. That knowledge itself can go a long way in giving us peace in the midst of the storm, knowing that he has a purpose in the midst of it. Could be to grow you and to strengthen you. It's an opportunity to witness, but no matter what, you're going to get through the other side, but you're going to be different when you are, when you do. And for that, we can give thanks and praise to God who's doing a mighty work in all of our lives, even in the midst of the storms that we face. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we do know, Lord, that uh, we are going to face some pretty difficult storms uh, in life, and some are going through them right now. And We just pray, Lord, that they would sense your presence, help them to know that they're not alone. And whatever purpose you have for allowing all of us to go through the storms that we face when we face them, help us to know and to be reassured that when you're on board our boat, that we're going to get to the other side and you will accomplish your good work in our lives no matter how long it takes, because you are faithful. So help us, Lord, to be mindful of these things in the turbulent times in which we live. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's continue our worship this morning. Please stand by singing, You Are My All in All. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. 
Remember, true peace is not the absence of a storm. True peace is the presence of Jesus inside your boat as you sail through the stormy seas of life. May you be always aware of Christ's presence as you sail through this life and experience his peace. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.